Hello, my name is Thomas and welcome to the latest episode of British Culture, Albion Never Dies. I hope you like the title. This episode is called Coming Soon, The British Empire Strikes Back. Yes, a deliberately humorous title, as it seems that in the coming weeks, I'm going to be covering more and more imperial subjects, something that I've never covered before, not in any detail on this podcast, but something which is undoubtedly a significant part of British culture. Something that's not always at the forefront of British culture, but of course I have noticed it because I spent, what, seven years living in the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus. Cyprus was a British colony, and of course I spent six years in China, just over the border in mainland China from Hong Kong. Hong Kong was also, of course, part of the British Empire, something that's been coming out more and more in our newspapers recently as there have been demonstrations uh, against certain Chinese policies in the UK by Hong Kongers, and they'd been waving the old colonial flag, which is, I think, really, really interesting. But the reason I'm covering this isn't actually because of contemporary events or my own personal history. The reason is, as I've mentioned on my Instagram and elsewhere, that it is the season of Michael Caine. The uh, the autumn nights are drawing in. There's already significant difference uh, here in the UK. It was getting dark at about 9.30 in the evening in the summer, and now, well, it's getting a lot darker, a lot earlier. It's not cold, but it is the kind of time where it's just nice to be cosy at home watching a favourite old film. So I was talking to some friends, including Pete Brooker, who of course you see on From Taylors Would Love, that's his channel, his podcast, his YouTube, his blog, etc. We were talking about our favourite Michael Caine films. We did an episode on The Fourth Protocol, for example, adapted from the Frederick Forsyth novel. And uh, there's a couple that I really, really like. Uh, Zulu, of course, the 1964 film starring Michael Caine, although really it's a Stanley Baker film, but it really did bring forward uh, Michael Caine as a leading man. And so I just asked in a, a friendly Facebook group, the Gentleman Society for the Appreciation of the British Empire, I asked their 27,000 members, what fact about the Battle of Rourke's Drift do you wish more people would know? If you're not aware... That's what the film is based on, a real battle. Uh, I did ask, actually, my Instagram friends whether they'd seen the movie, and 63% had seen it, but 37% had not. I guess there are plenty of younger people in the UK who might not have seen this film, even though it is such a classic. But, of course, I've got friends around the world who listen to this podcast the largest single group of listeners is, of course, the US. Increasingly, I'm getting a large number of Canadians listening, so hello to you. Um, and I know many people have just joined this podcast very, very recently. But as I say, I asked this Facebook group, uh, the Gentleman Society, what fact about the Battle of Rock's Drift do you wish more people would know? And I got over 320 comments. I think 326 comments in all, uh, including from two authors who've written about this battle, uh, Neil Thornton, who wrote Rourke's Drift, A New Perspective, and Kevin Brazier, who wrote Victoria Crosses of the Zulu and Boer Wars. So with two authors commenting, many, many amateur historians raising questions, I thought this is something I started to spend a lot of time on, um, most people are really, really interesting in their comments as they talk about really good nitty-gritty historical detail um 
But I had to start looking elsewhere into my book, so I have a book, well, it's right next to me, Rourke's Drift by Adrian Greaves, that I got quite sucked into. Um, I found the relevant chapter in The Rise and Fall of the British Empire by Lawrence James. I was looking at James, Jan Morris's uh, Pax Britannica, which also talks about it, and for a very modern writer, Niall Ferguson, um, who, of course, wrote the book Empire, How Britain Made the Modern World, for real, real quick context. The more I started looking into this, the more I started looking into this. And I just found, well, I just needed that little bit more time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do an episode on Zulu well, next, next week, as I say, with 63% of my listeners or my followers on Instagram uh, have seen the film. So that gives uh, a fair, fair remainder, more than a third of my uh, respondents, to have a quick view of the film because it is a brilliant film really worth seeing great soundtrack great performances worth checking out and as i said that's the next podcast coming up next week will be zulu and the real story of the battle including yes i, I will have to delve into how welsh are they because that's something i find really interesting as i travel around the world there's people who've heard of england there's people who've heard of scotland and ireland but wales often gets kind of lost in the shuffle it doesn't get promoted it doesn't get shown in quite the way of the other kingdoms except perhaps in the context of prince of wales and princess of wales but zulu the movie shows us quite a bit of welsh culture and it was an ongoing discussion in that gentleman's appreciation society they were all talking about how welsh were the real fellas at rourke's drift because it is a, a significant part of the film because of course the film uh, stars stanley baker who was welsh so so with that said i then asked <laughs> a few of my friends about another great michael caine film one which is really a double bill michael caine and sean connery uh, the two men are the stars of the man who would be king the 1975 film Less people had seen this, uh, 53% of respondents on my Instagram, uh, about 47%, um, sorry, 53% had seen it, 47% had not seen it. So again, that is still less than the number of people who'd seen Zulu. The Man Who Would Be King, again, one of my favourite films, and definitely a good film for watching in this cosy season. Um, and again, I love looking at the real story of it. Of course, The Man Who Would Be King, a movie is adapted from Rudyard Kipling's short story, and Roger Kipling's story is worth reading and the film worth watching. I don't know which one is worth, whether it's worth reading it first or watching it first. I've, I've done both many, many times. And it's an unusual case where, you know, sometimes a book ruins a film or a film ruins a book or they, they kind of clash and don't work together. I find Roger Kipling's original short story and the 1975 film actually work together to support each other. And I enjoy each of them more because of the other. The context, well, is of course the Raj, the British Empire, and again there's another book by Lawrence James simply called Raj, uh, which gives a lot of the context, but a deep dive into the spy game that, that is really important uh, in this is the great game. Uh, that gives the context of, well, the British Empire expanding up uh, from India into Central Asia, the Russian Empire expanding down to meet it, and Afghanistan in between. That's really detailed in the, sh in the book Kim, uh, but I feel the man who would be king, it, well, it touches on much the same universe. Uh, it is, well, 
It is British India, the place where Rudyard Kipling was born, brought up and lived much of his life, uh, apart from his education, of course, in uh, the UK and his later life there. But it's hard to separate, well, Britain from India at this time, or indeed today. The empire has affected us, and we, of course, affected them. So there's a great deal to delve into there as I look at the man who would be king. And, of course, that story was based on Raja Brooke. So a great deal to talk about. A few people had messaged me saying, but there's there's so much politics surrounding us, it would be lovely just to look at the facts of what happened. So that's what I've been doing. I've got <laughs> next to me on my desk, I've got a real stack of books. So I'm starting out with these, I don't know, these fun films, but I'm also looking at what real historical detail can I look into. So, uh, well, if I'm doing two, might as well make it a trilogy. Um, so if I do Zulu and the man who would be king, that leaves me the question of what else? What should part three be? And there I would like to enlist you, the listener, and your ideas. What part of the British Empire fact, fiction, or, as with the previous two, a combination of the both, would you like me to cover? I am very open to suggestions, and I'll be open for the next few weeks. As I say, next week will be Zulu, the week after the man who would be king. After that, what should I cover? I do like to spend as much time as possible researching all of these, especially if I do history, as I'm not personally a historian. I give my quick reading, and I always like to point people elsewhere. That's why I've been reading out the names of the books and citing the authors, because I really like to give you an idea of where you can go next, beyond Wikipedia. But what part of the British Empire should I look at if I look into it at all? Email me at Albion Never Dies. I'll be taking all kinds of suggestions, any suggestion, nothing's too far out, as long as it's about the British Empire. And again, it could be fact, it could be fiction, or as above, a combination of the both. I do request, as a certain Mr. Bond, James Bond, once said, first rule of mass media, give the people what they want. So tell me what you want. I'll do it, and uh, I'll try and include as many suggestions as possible in part three. So thank you very much. My name is Thomas. This is British Culture. Albion never dies. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you're going to enjoy what's coming up. <laughs>